Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Man, do we have some good shows next week. Who's on, you ask? Well, I'll tell you, suggest. Tuesday, March 19th, Maya Dukmasova from my beloved Chicago Reader will be here talking politics. Jim Coogan, ace attorney Jim Coogan, will be talking Trump, Trump, and Trump. Eh, plus, we have a mystery guest on that day. Ooh. Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. We're going to be talking Chicago politics with In These Times reporter Miles Camp Lassen. Alderman Nick Pizzato. He's been in the news lately. He'll be on the show. We'll have a striking member of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra in the show. Thursday, March 21st. Don't miss this one. Mickey D. McDumkey will be here. Jake Lewis will be here from the Chicago Federation of Labor. Alderman Sue Garza. I should say Alderwoman Sue Garza. And then we close down the show Friday, March 22nd. Ramana Hussein, Kelly Cassidy, And Emily Miller from Governor Pritzker's office will be talking politics, budgets, mayor's race, everything under the sun next week on The Ben Jarofsky Show. Hey there, producer Dennis here, and welcome to The Ben Jarofsky Show's Backroom Deal Special with Chicago Reader columnist Maya Dukmasova and brought to you by The Chicago Reader. The Backroom Deal is a podcast hosted by Maya and our very own Ben Jarofsky where they take the deep dive into all of our Chicago aldermanic runoff elections. Election day is April 2nd, and if the Chicago ward that you live in is currently in a runoff, listen up and take notes. And if you're just simply a Chicago political junkie, get ready to download your fix. Once again, it's The Backroom Deal with Chicago Reader columnist Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. You can read both Maya and Ben Jarofsky's work every week in the Chicago Reader. The Chicago Reader takes an even deeper dive in Chicago news and culture, early warning concert listings, an extensive events calendar, compelling columns, and more. Pick up the Chicago Reader in newsstands all across the city or simply check out chicagoreader.com. In this Backroom Deal special, it's our weekly interview with Chicago Reader columnist Maya Dukmasova. So sit back, relax, and enjoy, and consider this a sample of what's to come on the Backroom Deal. Benny J., take it away. And here we are live in our beautiful studio at the Chicago Sun-Times. Billy Maya Dukmasova, my partner crime from the Chicago Reader, is with us. It's Thursday with Maya, and uh, I was momentarily distracted because Maya handed me the latest the latest copy of the Chicago Reader, our beloved Chicago Reader, Maya. So I'm going to show it to all our listeners, a real show newspaper. Show those listeners, please. Yeah. It's just the plant issue, it's right? It's our first ever plant issue. This was a themed issue where most of the stuff we published this week has something to do with plants, agriculture, horticulture, farming, and even you managed to write a story about <laughs> tiffs <laughs> relating to plants. Because I said it was about fertilization. That mm-hmm. was a, a bit of a stretch, but uh, whatever. By the way. He certainly has a wheelhouse. I, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I could go on and on. But yeah, though, it's a, it's a great issue, and um, the cover is uh, delightful. It's a beautiful cover. Man, the reader's really feeling it, Maya. It's kicking ass. You know, it's kicking ass. And uh, so yeah, get, uh, check it out, folks. Uh, you can actually get the real newspaper. 
Uh, yeah. Just any box anywhere in the city of Chicago, or you can read it online. It's uh, great for starting your grills later and uh, <laughs> lining your bird cages. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Amaya is a, a millennial, so she's more of the read it online persuasion. And I'm an old geezer, and I love my reader. In the I newspaper. like it in paper version too. Do you like it in yeah. paper version too? All right. Uh, let's just talk about the good news that we have to announce. Uh, I don't know if you want to make the announcement or I want to make the announcement, but why don't you make the announcement? About Backroom Deal? Yes. Yeah, so people have been asking us a lot about what's going on with Backroom Deal, our podcast, and we're going to have a fresh batch of episodes for you. in short order coming up um, before the election, obviously. So stay tuned for that. Um, excited to give folks some updates about what's going on in these wards. Yeah, and uh, Young Dennis will be producing yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. segments. And I know it's short order, but I got a little intro uh, made. I don't know if you, you can use it if you want. If not, I don't know. But uh, here we go. The backroom deal. <laughs> and the door closed. Very good. Right. I'm like, what is that? Like a ship? A foghorn? I don't know. This is like a scary noise, you know? Backroom deal. Oh, my God. Backroom deals. That's what happens when you uh, walk in on Mike Madigan <laughs> in the state house bathroom. Uh, all right. Now, speaking of backroom deals, uh, yesterday's city council meeting, they were, the backroom deals had probably happened before the meeting. Yesterday was the official public uh, uh, approval of them. Yeah. Uh, I was on the air when the, the votes went down. I've already been haranguing against the TIF deal, which uh, was bad enough. But to have Mayor Rahm just completely distort was at its stake. Uh, like triple down on it. Uh, there's also the Cop Academy vote. We talked a lot about that yesterday. Maya, when the Mara Enya was on the show, and um, Maria Haddon from the 49th Ward mm-hmm. was also on the show, the newly elected alderman. Uh, tell folks a little bit about the, the issues at stake and the Cop Academy. You've been following this for a long time. Yeah, so basically the the the... This all, this is all uh, hinging around this new police and fire training academy um, that Mayor Rahm uh, wanted to uh, build in the 37th Ward on the west side. So this is in the West Garfield Park area, uh, right around the corner from uh, Orr High School. Uh, and it's on a parcel of land that was actually privately owned by some kind of industrial, like it was, I think it's like industrially zoned land or something like that it's not it's not um it's not in use now but it was privately owned the land was uh then sold to the city and uh now the city is going to build uh this police academy and yesterday what they approved was um uh the uh acom like that that's going to be who's going to build the, the the academy and so t- a couple years ago mayor Rahm announced that this new police academy was going to be built like on a 4th of July weekend, like on a Friday before the 4th of July weekend. So the news went completely under the radar and essentially uh, the justification for why we need a $95 million uh, police academy was that um, the DOJ report on uh, police misconduct. The the Department of Justice. Right. The Department of Justice report on police misconduct in the city that came out um, in January of 2017 said that, you know, uh, the the police need better training. And one of the 99 recommendations that they made was that the facilities that were used for training was out of date. So the 
people who organized this campaign against the police academy, the No Cop Academy uh, campaign, they later did a bunch of FOIAs and they figured out that like actually this like new police and fire training academy was in the works for a really long time, long before the DOJ report. And that essentially the DOJ report coming out and this recommendation about new facilities was just a way to sort of sell the idea, oh, like the cops and firefighters need a new facility. And like the DOJ says that it's going it, to, it's needed to improve our policing. Never mind the fact that there was never any actual explanation for how having a swimming pool or a new or new classrooms or like uh, just a new uh, gym or whatever is going to, you know, do anything about like the values that are taught to the cops and and change the value system that animates that that was over and over and over again cited in the DOJ report and in the police accountability task force research about like cops in the city of Chicago having fundamental, you know, like basic lack of respect for black lives. So, um, all of that, not all of that was like not explained, like how a new police academy was going to fix that problem. So it was just the messaging was better training, better training, better training. Our cops need better training. So we need this academy. So a bunch of kids, like a bunch of young people, the same people who were behind the Buy Anita campaign against Anita Alvarez, uh, the former state's attorney who um, lost her reelection to Kim Fox a few years ago, really over the Laquan McDonald scandal. So the same people who had organized against her organized against this police academy and uh there were a lot of young people involved in this push they would boycott meetings of aldermen you know they would boycott city council meetings they would show up in various places yell no cop academy they had all kinds of like um you know they foiled a bunch of information they did a big public information campaign but carlos rosa who had started voting no on various components that needed to be in place to create this police academy. He was the first person, he was the first alderman to start voting no on some of these components. His whole uh, line of reasoning around this was very interesting, I thought, from the beginning. He said that the police academy, in addition to being like a stupid way to spend $95 million when there are so many more pressing needs in our city, he said that... um, basically this was going to be a way to start gentrifying that part of the west side and he went back to the history of the current police and fire training academy which is on the near west side actually not far from here um in walter burnett's ward and he talked about carlos talks about i remember doing an interview with him and he talked about how you know this was this is a way to establish uh, a, a certain kind of presence in the neighborhood, putting a lot of uh, p- putting a big city facility like that, bringing in a lot of first responders, communicates that this is a neighborhood that's changing, that there are that this is a safer place now to people who don't think it's safe. And over time, I mean, you see what's going on around here now. This is not this is the land on which the current police academy is now is way too valuable. Like there are people who are like salivating to get that land to use it to build like a, probably some big condo building or some other big development so meanwhile uh you've got this uh parcel of land on the west side that um carlos's theory was that this was just going to be a way to start gentrifying over there because a lot of developers are looking at the west side more so than the i think the south side because the west side is closer to it the west side is kind of narrow and that part of chicago though it has some of the poorest neighborhoods in the city it's geographically much closer to downtown and it's a much smaller area than the south side which is vast 
All right. Now, I've had this uh, discussion with Carlos uh, when he's been on the air about this whole issue. And the, and the, the facility that he's alluding to is actually across the street from Whitney Young High School, the, right. the original the, yeah. the police academy where, where young Carlos was a, a young scholar mm-hmm. uh, about <laughs> 10 years ago. I may have mentioned that already. He was on the debate team. Anyway, so uh, uh, Carlos could see when he was uh, a student at Whitney Young, the recruits, the police recruits would be jogging around the neighborhood. And um, but listen. There has to be investment in low-income blighted communities. There has to be some kind of investment. And uh, the, the counter-argument to the one that, may, uh, that Carlos raises and other people raise in terms of police academy is that um, if you put a city facility uh, in a neighborhood like Garfield Park that's hurting for investment, then the people who come to that facility will want to shop in the area, that you'll they'll look to uh, spend their money in that area so that it could also help businesses in that surrounding community. It could also establish just a presence uh, in their area, a sign that this is a place that you would want to invest in a community. So I, I could see the argument for uh, investing in a neighborhood. That's what the TIF program is all about. That's what anti-poverty uh, economic development programs are all about. Uh, so I have a hard time jumping aboard a uh, protest that's against a specific investment in a neighborhood. I have see the point in the symbolism of spending so much money on a, a, a training facility for police, at the same time you're closing mental health clinics, etc. You know, you understand. What? So, in other words, if they were building a mental health clinic on that block, I don't know, would people object to it? You can make the same principle that the therapists who work there will just yeah, like the recruits. I don't recruits. think people would be objecting to this if they were building a ninety-five million dollar mental health clinic or an outpost of a hospital or or any number of other types of uh, other types of services. And but the thing is that this, so this this parcel of land is also in a TIF district, mm-hmm. and now this land goes from being potentially used to be gen- generating property taxes to being city-owned land that's not going to generate any property taxes so so it's gonna the city's gonna spend money and make no money in a tiff district which is supposed to exist in order to make more money to promote economic development that's maya dubasova she sounds like me (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like something i would say remember that the ben jarofsky show is live and downloaded on both chicago reader and chicago sun times websites chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com we go live tuesday through friday 1 until 3 p.m central time and the show is downloadable by 4 p.m chicago.suntimes.com chicagoreader.com and wherever you download your favorite podcast also find us on social media at benny j show leave us your comments questions concerns make fun of us whatever you want to do at Benny J Show. And if you just tuned in, you're listening to <laughs> The Backroom Deal. Uh, yeah, with Maya. Ben and Maya. Why does that sound like some sort of it sounds like sports? It's a foghorn. It sounds like it sounds like uh this sounds like uh something I'd hear at a baseball game. Oh, it's kinda like you know the scary movie noise. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. It's a scary movie. But scary you know, backroom the, the deal. sound the sound is scary, but the, the tone of voice that says backroom oh, deal sounds okay. like it's it's uh it's in a different context <laughs> than the sound. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, we're, we're still working on the production. All right, working on it, working on it. <laughs> Next time it'll be better. All right, uh, thank you very much, Doctor D. All right, Maya. So that was the no cap, uh, the cop academy oh, yeah. and firefighter academy. Well, the vote that went down yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but what's so what's significant about that vote is that yesterday eight 
people, eight aldermen voted against it. Well, one of them was John Arena, who, you know, I'm sure he'll talk to you about it more, yeah, but like he, he's got nothing to lose on this issue now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, before he, he did not, went back two years ago when Carlos was voting no, John Arena was telling me that he was not voting no because of this and that. And I remember calling you about it and, and asking like, does this like sound right? And you said to me, Maya, John Arena just put the spin on you. He doesn't want to be on, you know, on the record against this issue because he's got a tough re-election and he's got a lot of first responders in his ward. So anyway, now he's voting no, you know, voting his values now that it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> So well, it always does matter. Yes, it 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 always matters. But then you had Leslie Harrison and Deb Mel both Mm -hmm. vote no. What a Mel is voting no on a police academy, uh, you know, which is like significant. But both of them are clearly voting no on this because they've got very tough reelection runoff elections Mm -hmm. in a few weeks against progressive leftist challenges. So this is definitely like them feeling the heat of that and trying to, you know, I think do something that uh, signals to the voters that they're still, that, 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 they have some kind of progressive cred. And then the rest, so, so the rest of the people that voted no, you know, Carlos Rosa, of course, again, Scott Wagsback, not surprising. Amaya Pawar, again, nothing to lose. Sue Garza. Well, uh, then, wait, Amaya Pawar is running for treasurer. Right, but he's not, but he's running as a progressive candidate for treasurer. So it's as important to him as it is to Mel to be on what he considers the right political well, side. Yeah. Okay, true, right. And then this is, maybe you have a comment about this. R- Maldonado. <laughs> Roberto Maldonado. What? Like, I have not heard anything about him being on the record on this issue ever. And he voted no on this and the Lincoln Yards. Yeah. What's well, his deal? His ward is changing. His ward, uh, it, it, well, I could do it. His ward used to be a predominantly Hispanic ward and is becoming um, more, quote unquote, progressive. It's like a spillover from Logan Square. And oh, so yeah. you're, I'm watching, I've been watching him move. If, if you can figure these votes on uh, TIF allocation are like the equivalent of a left and a right, I've been watching him move to the left. It'll be interesting with Jeff Johnson has to say, who'll be our next guest. He really studies these aldermen uh, and the, the, me- the me- machinations, machinations of the politics in the city council. But you can see this starting uh, like north side politics infiltrating the near west side uh, and moving out to the northwest. Some of the greatest champions of uh, TIF reformer guys like Arena, et cetera, mm-hmm. from the uh, even Spazzato back in the day. Nick Spazzato yeah. back in the day would be known to. Uh, uh, stand up against TIF deals. So, uh, by the way, I just have to say this. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we have Mara Enya on the show, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the police academy, and she had with her a gentleman uh, who's her karate teacher, her martial arts teacher. I didn't know this, but she studies martial arts. And he, uh, his name is Q, and Q will be a guest on our show next. We're going to bring Q on because he had some very interesting observations to make, not so much about spending $95 million to build an academy, but more to the point. What happens in the academy? What is taught to the young recruits, the young men and women who want to be Chicago police officers? I think that's the fundamental issue uh, that we should be facing, Maya, when we think about our future in terms of policing uh, uh, black communities, poorer communities in the city of Chicago. And uh, so I'm really happy to bring this gentleman on because he's going to talk about techniques that police can use to avoid uh, using a gun if they're afraid or if they feel they're endangered, what they could do, what kind of martial arts they might use, what kind of um, tech tactics and techniques, mental tactics and techniques they could use. So it'd be interesting to bring him on and get into the issue of, okay, if this academy is indeed coming and it doesn't look like they have the votes to stop it, what will be taught in the academy? 
Right. Yeah. I think that's a fundamental question. And that's something that is completely independent of the infrastructure that surrounds it. This is about who is doing the teaching, what's taught. But as the Department of Justice report repeatedly also pointed out, the so much of the 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 values system of the police department the problematic value system that 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 is fundamentally you know discriminatory and racist in a lot of ways that process that kind of values indoctrination doesn't happen at the academy that happens when these recruits get out into their first assignments and they're assigned to their training officers on the street mm-hmm. and those people say to them listen kid like what you learned at the academy forget all that now <laughs> this is where your real education starts so the process of changing the values of the police department is going to be a very long process it's going to be many many years it, it might take we might be on another new police academy by the time there's really any change there and there's plenty of people who would argue that you really with the way that policing is set up in this country you really can't you can't change these values like it would take much bigger overhauls about how we police and why we police but um but yeah to your point it's it's what happens on the inside that really matters um the the you know the other interesting thing just about i'm just looking again at these names of the people who who voted no in the police academy those eight people they also all of them voted no on lincoln yards but then there were some other people who voted no on lincoln yards some more aldermen who have tough re-election, you know, runoffs, including uh, Tony Folks, and um, you had Michelle Smith and Ka- James Kappelman and Ariel Reboiris. Um, and, but then there were some people who voted no on Lincoln Yards who are in the clear with their re-elections. But I think it's like kind of an interesting set of people. So Sophia King, and then you've got Harry Osterman, from the 48th ward yeah, on the so north side of Chicago. Yeah, so this is my This, I know for a fact that there was a lot of organizing and a lot of attempts to get Harry Osterman on the No Cop Academy train. Mm-hmm. There were people, there were activists that came to his offices. There were there were tons of people who tried to convince him because he showed, you know, kind of showed his cards as being in, in, interested in some sort of civilian oversight of the police. He supported that DAPA, that like middle of the line, you know, civilian police accountability proposal by the a bunch of like nonprofits and stuff that was like not as fully civilian controlled as CPAC, but like also not this like mayoral, Mm -hmm. whatever, like nothing kind of fusion thing. So Harry Osterman got a lot of, uh, there were a lot of attempts to get him on board with No Cop Academy and he never did come on board. He never did vote against it. And um, I just think that like, yeah, it's, it's a, he's a weird vote on this. Well, here, let me, I, he said I would, the north side is getting norther. Yeah, the north. No, he gave a very impact. Harry Osterman from the 48th Ward, which is Edgewater, folks, if you're a little geogra- ge- geographically challenged, city of Chicago, north side ward, uh, right along the lakefront, comes from a long line. There's uh, His mother was an alderman uh, in the area before him. And I've kind of watched Harry evolve on this issue. He was a state rep before he was an alderman. And I remember him calling me up once to talk about tips. This is years ago. And he was like, what is this? Let's, let's, can we break this down a little help with this thing? Uh, uh, and um, I think TIFFs 
are exceedingly unpopular on the north side of Chicago. I feel as though people associate them with uh, tax hikes, which is what they are. They're tax hikes. People feel already overtaxed. And they also think it's a diversion from the public schools, which it is. People care mostly about public education. So if you ask people, taxpayers in the city of Chicago, where would they want their property tax dollars to go? And I'd really love to hear Jeff's thoughts on this. Would they rather see the money go to Lincoln Yards, or would they rather see it go to the Chicago public schools like Blaine Tech, where young Jeff was a scholar uh, many years ago? They would say they would rather go to the public schools. And I think that's something that's caught on the north side. And so Harry is more or less reflecting uh, the opinions of people in his ward in this one. The cop academy is a little different because the local alderman, as you know, Maya, Emma Mitz, um, very much was for it. And it was sort of a referendum issue in her re-election campaign. We talked about this backroom deal on election night. And she was victorious over uh, Tara Stamps in that election. And so Jason Irvin, alderman from the West Side, got up yesterday and said to the uh, protesters who were protesting the Cop Academy vote, the people of the West Side have spoken. They want this Cop Academy. So don't tell the people of the West Side. And, and that, I think, is the equation... Um, that a guy like Harry Osterman is responding to. Yeah, but if you look at the numbers, and this is, again, I I just was talking about this with Ken Davis. Uh, Emma Mitz won, avoided, she got seven more votes than she did the last time in the 2015 general election. Now, at that time, she was facing Tara Stamps, who had a lot of money, a lot of of ground game, a lot of support, um, and drove her into a runoff. This time... Emma Mitz avoided a runoff, but Tara got started late, didn't have the money, didn't have the same kind of, you know, outpouring on the street, got more votes than she did the first time, like hundreds more votes. Mm-hmm. So Tara, with nothing, with no money and no hardly any kind of ground game other than herself, managed to gain hundreds of votes more than she did the last time when she ended up in the runoff. Emma got seven more votes than she did last time. So to say, and, and turnout was lower, and there were fewer other candidates to take more votes away from her. So to say that like 3,000 people voted Emma Mitz into office. So to say that like the West Side is behind us, like, no, you just, the numbers shook out in their favor. I think that like, it, it's not, uh, n- neither the aldermen nor the protesters can, can say, oh, like, the, the people of the West Side are behind us because most people on the West Side didn't vote and, you know, probably aren't even, you know, connecting on the, this this battle at yeah. all. Like they're not. Con- so I'm just saying that, like, it's it's uh, it's very convenient for everybody involved to throw around these like statements about the people on the West Side, this and that. The reality is like the people on the uh, people on the West Side are clearly have other things to worry about than these elections and this cop academy. Fair enough. All right. Now, uh, before I let you get out the door, I have to ask you uh your thoughts uh, on the latest the twists and turns of the Preckwinkle Lori Lightfoot uh, a battle where it seems as though uh, issues have sort of been pushed to the side and it's more about personalities and character and who supports who and whether a support is a sign of betrayal whether uh, what's your sense about what's at stake uh, in this election, do you have a strong sense that one candidate or the other is that much different on uh, the issues facing the city of Chicago, or do you think it's more of a um, cosmetic thing? Um, no, I do think I think that honestly, the only set of issues that it's uh, even possible to compare them on really is their is their criminal justice stances because 
Lori Lightfoot doesn't have any kind of record other than in the criminal justice arena. So uh, that if you're a single issue voter um, and you are like some, you know, you're you're like a progressive voter, a single issue voter. And the most important thing to you is um, changing how we police in the city and changing the criminal justice system, then you're going to see a lot of problems in Lori Lightfoot's background. And you're not going to buy this whole narrative she has about being like a fighter of the corrupt police department or whatever, because it's much more complicated than that. And she's been a col- in various ways, a collaborator for a really long time. Uh, if you are, you know, if your issue is, you know, schools or housing, and uh, I'm actually going to be co-moderating a debate between Lori and Tony on Saturday uh, the 30th. Um, this is a debate organized by the Chicago Housing Initiative, and Alden Lowry of WBZ and I are going to be co-moderating this thing, and there'll be more info about it out there soon, I think. So, um, you know, that'll be that'll be a debate, a forum only on housing issues. So it'll be interesting to see because like Tony has a mixed and complicated record on housing issues and Lori doesn't have any kind of record on housing <laughs> issues besides yeah. being a homeowner, you know. So so uh, this is this is an this is yeah. a weird, interesting election because there's all these kind of like they're vying for like who's who, they're they're slinging mud and being nasty, but also like vying to be the, like out who's the more progressive candidate. But really, the only thing you you could really compare their records on is criminal justice and everything else. Lori is saying things and Tony has an actual record. Like there, what, what issue in the city does Tony Parkinwinkle not have some sort of record on? Maybe it's a bad record, but I'm just saying yeah. what issue in the city does she not have a record on as a legislator or an executive? That's a fair point. She was uh, one of, one of the, uh, she was a, one of the leading uh, advocates for the Olympics, for instance. She was a major advocate working hand-in-hand uh, hand with Mayor Daley uh, back then. and uh, But she, she did also get that CBA thing. Which was wor- virtually worthless. And uh, <laughs> don't get me started on an Olympic day- debate, Maya. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, Michael Reese Hospital, which is now a vacant site, mm-hmm. uh, was purchased uh, by the city, by the taxpayers. We're still paying it off. Uh, as a result of the Olympic endeavor. So you're absolutely correct. There's a whole history that you can look at with Tony Preckwinkle. You can uh, try to make like a very nuanced, sophisticated analysis of where she was at any given time. In contrast, Lori Lightfoot, there is no uh, public record. She was a private citizen who occasionally came in to fill in, uh, as an appointee of one powerful mayor or another. So your, your point's very well taken. Before we let you go, where and when again is that debate? That'd be interesting. It'll one be to go to. it'll be uh, at uh, Mount Carmel Baptist Church on Saturday, March thirtieth, and it'll be. I think the doors will open at nine, eight thirty or nine. Uh, will. In the morning? Yeah, it's in the morning. The, the debate won't actually start until 10. Uh, and I don't, this was like some kind of like very long story on scheduling. Uh, the Chicago Housing Initiative is like the coalition that's organizing it. So Alden and I are not involved in actually getting everybody's schedules. But yeah, it, it's like a Saturday morning uh, thing. And it'll be interesting to see uh, to see how it shakes out because I really haven't, you know, 
there's like a million and one conversations about criminal justice in this election, but housing is a different housing beast. is uh, that'll be a great we'll, we'll promote that more and we'll get you on afterwards to talk about it. And Alden Laurie's an old friend of this show. He was on many times uh, in the past talking about uh, demographics. The guy knows more about demographics in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. population moving in and out, et cetera, et cetera. Be really curious to hear what his thoughts are on the Lincoln Yard development and how that will impact the overall development of the city of Chicago and the changing demographics here. Maya, we got to move on. Thank you very much. Can't wait to get back into the back room with you. And uh, Dennis will be producing those. It's good that that is coming back. Don't you agree? Yep. All right. Very good. Maya. Hey there. Producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. All right. So here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. So... Let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends... around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.